0: The second lesson is found in John chapter 21. I'm reading from Philip's translation. Later on, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples on the shore of the Lake of Galilee. It was like this. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples happened to be together. I'm going fishing, announced Simon Peter. All right, they replied, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat and during the night caught nothing at all. But just as dawn began to break, Jesus stood there on the beach, the disciples having no idea that it was Jesus. Have you caught anything, boys? Jesus called out. No, they replied. Throw the net on the right side of the boat, said Jesus, and you'll have a catch. So they threw out the net and then they found that they were not strong enough to pull it in because it was so full of fish. At this, the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Hearing this, Peter slipped on his jacket, for he had been naked, and he plunged into the sea. And the other disciples followed in the boat, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. They were dragging the net full of fish. When they had landed, they noticed that a charcoal fire was burning with fish and bread placed on it. Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter got into the boat, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 altogether. In spite of the large number, there was no tearing of the net. Then Jesus said to them, come and have your breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him who he was. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus went and took the bread and gave it to them. He gave them all the fish as well. This was the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after his resurrection from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others? Yes, Lord, he replied, you know that I am your friend. Then feed my lambs, returned Jesus. Simon, son of John, he said for the second time, do you love me? Yes, Lord, returned Peter. You know that I am your friend. Then look after my sheep, replied Jesus. Then for the third time, Jesus spoke to him and said, Simon, son of John, are you my friend? Peter was deeply hurt because Jesus' third question to him was, Are you my friend? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I am your friend. Then feed my sheep, Jesus said to him. I tell you truly, Peter, that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and go where you liked. But when you're an old man, you're going to stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. He said this to show the kind of death by which Peter was going to honor God. Then Jesus said to him, follow me. Debbie Hood, the editor, and those who have assisted her and her staff are to be commended. It's a very splendid yearbook. It's splendid because it picks up the note of inspiration which has run like a thread throughout this year amongst the student body. We have heard it sung Sunday by Sunday in church. We have seen it in the prayer meetings on Wednesday night. We have seen it in small group Bible studies. We have seen it with others. They renamed the yearbook, and I'm glad they did. They called it agape. It's a word for love. A wonderful word for love. The same word that is used in John 3, 16, where God so loved the world. The same word that Paul uses throughout the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The unselfish type of love, which gives itself seeking to be what God wants us to be and to do. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, this love, and can only be produced. You can't fake the fruit of the Holy Spirit. On the back, there is a fish. This is one of the earliest of all Christian symbols and even predates the cross itself as a symbol of the Christian faith. It was a secret sign in 170 A.D. when the Christians were going through great persecution they would sometimes come and make this sign in the sand. One would reach forward with his sandal and make a mark. And if the other were a believer, he would respond by making the light like mark, like mark. And it would make the sign of the fish. Because the sign of the fish indicated that those two were brothers or sisters, They were a part of the family of God and the church of the Lord Jesus. They were the body of believers. And it comes from what we call, uh, the French word for it is rebus. You you can look it up. It's a, a thing that tells a name. If you looked on a shore and you saw a light burning and you would call it Beacon... And that might be the home of a man named John Beacon. You would know that the beacon was on his coat of arms because it was a thing that told you his name. And the fish told you the name. That these were Christians. The Yota for Jesus. Jesus. Key for Christos. For Christ. The theta here is to indicate God's and the Huias, son. And the sigma at the end, the capital sigma, that there are three sigmas, three uh, Greek characters. This is a capital sigma that comes at the end of a sentence. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. You put those together, and the Greek word that it makes is Ichthus. It means fish. And so they made the sign of the fish. It's appropriate. Agape, and the sign of the fish, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Now, what shall we do with such knowledge as this? In the light of the proclamation and the prayer which you have heard, maybe we can find some light to help us from this passage which was read in your hearing a few moments ago from John chapter 21. In the afterglow of Easter, the disciples during that 40-day period saw Jesus on a number of occasions. It's interesting that frequently when they saw him, they did not recognize him at first because he has now been glorified by the majestic power of God. So much so that those two that were on the road to Emmaus who were joined by that majestic stranger who heard them talking about all that had occurred in Jerusalem. When he asked them, what are these things that you're talking about while you walk along and look so sad, they were scarcely civil to him. Cleopas was one of them. He must have known Jesus personally, but they didn't recognize him. And they said, are you the only stranger in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened there? Fancy asking this man that question. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened there? Mary in the garden through her tears, weeping mistakes him for the gardener. She said, Sir, if you've taken his body away, tell me where you've lain it, and I'll go and take it. He said to her simply the words, Mary. And then she came and fell at his feet and clutched at his garment. Rabboni, my master. And then there occurs this, which happened probably about three weeks, just about the same time sequence from that Easter Sunday morning when Peter, still unable to assimilate and to inwardly digest all that had taken place, who is always the man who's got to be doing something, he knows that Jesus has risen from the dead, but secretly in his heart Peter had hoped that somehow Jesus was going to deliver them from the yoke of Rome And yet Jesus did not do that. His kingdom is not of this world. Peter, not able to know what else to do, and having a wife and children to feed, says to some of the other disciples, I'm going fishing. After he was defeated in the election, Governor Stevenson, when he ran against Eisenhower, I remember he went fishing. 1960 after he was defeated by President Kennedy, Richard Nixon went fishing. They went fishing to relax. The other day the session gave me some time off and through the generosity and kindness of some friends, I got to go fishing. You enjoy it. And I have literally fished all night and not caught anything. And I want you to know I don't like for anyone to ask me you caught anything boy (laughs) when I have to say no (laughs) it's not any fun when you work all night there is this challenge which they first heard from Jesus to come after me and I will make you fishers of men and Peter and these other fishermen had accepted the challenge and had followed Jesus he had been crucified, the three swift years had sped by, and now they cannot take it all in, and the challenge is dimmed, and their worldview of what to do with the gospel is not clear. So Peter said, I'm going fishing. Well, they fished all night and had not caught anything, and just at dawn, Jesus was there, there on the shore, watching I think a great miracle occurs here. I think Peter was a tremendous fisherman and that the Lord had to work a miracle to keep him from catching a fish and that they didn't catch a thing all night long because God didn't mean for them to catch anything. And then Jesus calls out. You know, frequently a buyer would come down to the, to the beach and he would see someone out there casting the net, a group of fishermen, and he would want to buy some fresh fish and take it in and eat it. And he'd call out, You caught anything, boys? So this stranger, 100 yards away out there on the beach, calls out, You caught anything, boys? They said, No. And then this stranger said, Well, throw the net on the right side of the ship and you'll catch something. They threw the net on the right side of the ship, they accepted the challenge, they threw out the net, and then there was that tremendous, heavy tug. So strong was the tug of those big live fish that were pulling that they couldn't drag in that big net of fishes. The other day I saw a boy who had been depressed and melancholy and forlorn out on the back of a charter boat and suddenly the line began to run out He tried to work and the drag was holding it and the line would go out and then it, the big fish would come close to the boat and then it would see the boat and then it would dive under and go down. You know all of his melancholy disappeared. He began to concentrate on that fish. A 300 pound hammerhead shark was on the end of that line and he had a 50 pound test line. <laughs> He had to do a lot of concentrating. (laughs) That's better than 10 pounds of tranquilizers and two shrinks. he He was thinking about that fish. For an hour and a half, he was trying to figure out how to get that fish. He was adjusting the thing. All of us were running around the boat trying to give him counsel, advice. He was moving from chair to chair. Finally, we got up. You can see the band aid Somehow we got up, this big fish gets up to the back of the boat, and three gaffs go in him, and he's so big, you had to run a rope through and put it around the fish, and it took four of us to pull him up in the boat, and we weren't sure we wanted him in there with us when we got him there. <laughs> well, these, all these 153 big fishes had filled their nets, and so they were tugging at the net. Well, instantly when this happened, John, who was intuitive in his love for Jesus and in on the right frequency, John said, it is the Lord. Well, Peter, who was the impulsive, impetuous person who would always do something, John was the thinker and the mystic, and Peter was the doer. When he heard it was the Lord, Peter was no streaker. He put his fisher's coat around him. (laughs) He girded himself. All that junk is a mark of a decadent uh, society. Uh, Peter girded himself. He put his clothing around him in respect and he dived into the sea and he started swimming toward Jesus. He couldn't wait to get there. The rest of them came dragging that net full of fishes. And after that challenge which they had accepted and had cast the net on the right side of the ship and had found there came a confession. Jesus is going to restore of Peter to fellowship. Have you ever tried and failed to resist temptation's snare? I know you never lost your temper. I know you never thought anything you wish you hadn't thought, done anything you wish you hadn't done. You failed the Lord. You've made a terrible mistake. You've sinned against him, and you want his forgiveness, and you want him to restore you to fellowship. How do you treat a backslider? Do you cut him off and let him fall? Jesus didn't. He restored such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And he deals with this man, Peter, who had vehemently denied him that night that the rooster had crowed. He deals with him ever so gently. Peter had denied him three times, and so Jesus will allow him to three times reaffirm his faith in him so Jesus said to him after he had finished feeding them Jesus had taken fish and bread and gave them something to eat isn't that just like Jesus to be thoughtful of their physical needs remember that if you'll help people you can sometimes witness to them a little more effectively James warns us about giving a starving man a tract and saying God bless you brother be full and be warm and go away no. Jesus fed them first. Then after supper, nothing is told us about what was said while they were eating at this breakfast, rather. This is the first prayer breakfast. And, then <laughs> and after this, this breakfast, Jesus, uh, there must have been some silences there. Peter looks at Jesus, and Jesus looks at Peter, and Jesus said, Simon... Son of John, do you love me more than these other disciples here love me? Do you love me more than you love these boats and your fishing work? And Peter said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. You know I'm your friend. Jesus said, feed my lambs, take care of the little ones. You Sunday school teachers who have these little children to take care of, take care of the little ones. Out of that Sunday school class, there may be another Dwight L. Moody. There may be a solid Christian home. All kinds of possibilities locked up in those little minds and hearts and tell them the story of Jesus. Engrave it in their mind. Help them to love him because they see that you love them. One of the greatest Sunday school teachers I ever saw was a big old burly uh, truck driver. He had one of those big tractor trailers. His pastor called me one day and said, I want you to see this. We went to the door. There was a little window, and you could look in. There were all these little tiny chairs, and here was this great big old hulking truck driver with these stories about Jesus teaching these little children. He said that, that truck driver came to the Lord a few years ago. He had a tremendous experience of salvation, and he said... When we talked to him about teaching, he said he wanted to teach the little children. And he said if one of those children is missing during the week, does not come to Sunday school on Sunday, he calls them or he goes by the house to see about them. And he said they admire him. They know that big old truck that he drives and he teaches a Sunday school class to the little children. Well, don't you believe that for a minute that those kids wouldn't have a wonderful idea that That Jesus was a man's man and that this teacher was getting across a very important message feed my lambs Peter must have been a big burly guy to have gotten in that boat and dragged that big old net ashore he had a lot of extra adrenaline running around by that time and he could move Uh, (laughs) Jesus asked him a second time Simon son of John do you love me This time he doesn't say more than these because Peter, you remember that night, said, Lord, all these other guys may fail you, but I won't. So Jesus had said, Do you love me more than they love me? Peter said, You know I love you. Well, when he got to that third time and Jesus pressed it home, Are you really my friend? Do you really love me, Peter? Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything there is to know. You know all things. You know that I love you. I'll Never forget a night in East Texas in a little camp when I heard a country preacher ask that question, do you really love me from this passage of Scripture? Do you love me more than you love anything else in the world, all the boats and fishing tackle." God had an x-ray that would show up everything in your heart, heart. Could you really say, God, you know it's all there, and you know that I really love you. Lord Jesus, you know that I really love you. I do not fake it anymore. I want to be yours 100%. You know the Watergate tapes are a real scandal. God's got a tape on us all. One day he's going to play all the tape, the income tax returns Miss Ms. Nixon are being edited. God's going to edit us. He, he will audit our accounts very carefully and look over all the figures, and he knows what the answers are. None to whom much is given of him shall much be required. The confession. Jesus restored him. Then he gave him a commission. He told him, follow me. He knew where following him would lead him, that it would lead him all the way to a cross and death. And that's why that strange cryptic phrase uh, statement is put in there. Peter, when you were a young man, you put on your clothes and you went wherever you wanted to go. But the reason that that John added this chapter was that there had to be some explanation for the death of Peter. And Jesus said, Peter, when you're an old gray-haired man, someone is going to come and arrest you one day. And they're going to drag you off where you don't want to go. And they're going to nail you on a cross. And that's how your death will honor me. And Peter died at his own request, head down because he had denied his Lord. But what a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous thing that this man who is restored preaches at Pentecost in such power and is such a towering giant of faith that all of us can quickly identify with him in his impulsiveness and all of us can know that if Jesus loved Peter and counted on him so much, he surely will forgive us and love us too and bind us together in the body of Christ the yearbook speaks about agape about the Christian symbol of the fish the challenge that has come to us is to be fishers of men when Jesus calls and he calls you by name and says you caught anything have you witnessed anyone from me what's your answer going to be There's a sweet lady in this congregation this morning. The other night at the Mayo Clinic, she was worried sick about her husband, but praying. She went out in the hospital and witnessed to someone else. She's bold enough to witness to someone else about faith in Jesus Christ. Then to write him a letter when she got home, then to send him a book. If Jesus called you by name and said, you caught anything? Come after me, I'll make you a fisher of men. You caught anything, boys? What are you going to answer? Well, if we're in his will and we're doing what pleases him, we will have caught something. And he binds us together in the body of Christ. This is what the church is. We have accepted a challenge. We have made a confession. And we're to carry out a commission. And we carry it out as a part of the body of christ i want to close tell you an old story about 200 years ago you know sometimes it's very hard to make a decision you can't make up your mind just exactly what to do there was a very powerful person a very wealthy man who was making his way through the countryside and had spent the night in a pleasant little English village and on Sunday morning he'd gone to an old church that was there and he heard a country preacher who preached awkwardly but eloquently and compassionately about the love of Jesus so much so that this great and powerful man from the city of London was so moved that tears streamed down his cheeks and when the service was over he couldn't get over how much he had been blessed by the preaching of the gospel that day. He made his way back to London. He was an Anglican, and he went to the bishop, and he said to the bishop, I stopped off in a little village the other day, and I heard this country parson, and my life will never be the same again. I never heard anyone who spoke so sincerely and so much from their heart The bishop, who had fancied himself as something of an orator, said, why don't you bring your rustic cleric here and let us all benefit from him? He was invited to preach in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. He accepted the invitation, and he went to St. Paul's Cathedral to preach. Do you know what happened to him there? when the country preacher stood up and he looked at all those fashionably dressed, elegant people that were out there, he turned pale. His voice rose to a high pitch and cracked. His hands trembled and his knees began to shake. And then he started telling them the story of Jesus and his love and then it seemed as though the risen Christ was walking the halls of St. Paul's Cathedral. And the people were enraptured at the power of the gospel. And when it was finished, their hearts were touched. And When the cleric started to go back to his village, the bishop offered him a large charge with a great salary in a big church in the city of London. He thought about how his family had had to skimp along on their meager pittance of a salary in the place where they were and that maybe this would be an opportunity for his children. And he let the way of the world get to him for a minute. And then do you know what happened? There came a day, and this is the truth, there came a day when he preached his final sermon in his little country church. The wagons were packed. The trunks were all there. He was to leave. And when he went outside, he saw the farmers with their hats in their hands, their tears streaming down their cheeks. He looked at his wife, and his wife looked at him, and she knew him so well that she could read what was on his soul when she looked in his eyes. She said, John Fawcett, you'll never be able to go to London. He said, unpack the wagons and put the furniture back in the house. I'm going to stay here where I'm needed. There was a lot of rejoicing, real little prayer meeting and praise meeting that took place. That afternoon, John Fawcett, happy that he had made that decision, sat down and he wrote these words, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. I would like for us to sing, Hymn number 473, just the first and the last stanzas only of number 473. And if you've never made a commitment of your life to Christ, you could do so while we're singing this hymn. You can ask Jesus to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior. If you're out of fellowship with him, you can be restored right now. 473, the first and last stances. Let us stand. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our keeper and teacher and guide, be and abide with you all, both now and forevermore.